Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Tuesday, September third, two thousand nineteen. I'm Shannon, and I am here with Mika, Stacy, and Natalie, and we are going to talk about light reads. Um, at first, this was originally Natalie's idea, and at first she thought we should talk about books that were funny, books that make you laugh out loud, but I don't read a lot of things that are considered funny, and so I was struggling to come up with some stuff. And then she said, oh, well, maybe we should just change it to, like, light reads. And, and that, that was better. So we are here to share some of our favorite lighter reads. And before we do that, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page on Facebook. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. It's a pretty quiet group, but if you send a message, people do tend to comment. So definitely join if you are so inclined. Um, You can always reach us on Twitter through DMs or just by tweeting at us. And if you want to avoid social media altogether and send us an email, that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right, so Stacy is going to start us off, followed by Mika. Then I will follow, and then Natalie will end the round. So, Stacy, are you ready? Always. Okay. And let's talk about light reads. I chose three light reads right away. And I'm like, I'm going to talk about Kristen Higgins' book, Jenny Colgan, and Susan Elizabeth Phillips. And then I thought to myself, yes, those are all great, great things. But I read three books this summer that I would consider light reads, and they all filled my heart with so much joy that I'm excited to tell you that I'm going to talk about three authors that were new to me until I was prepping for this episode. So the first book I'm going to talk about is The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. And that is by Abby Waxman. And I think that's the greatest name of a book, like, of all time. The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. It should be said with a British accent, despite the fact that our heroine lives in L.A. I was just going to say, is it a British book? No, but doesn't it sound like it should be with that title? The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. I just want to keep saying it. And Nina is a millennial. Um, She is about to turn 30. She lives alone in a little charming apartment in L.A. with only her cat, Phil, for company. And Nina works at an independent bookstore. And every moment of her life is planned. It's all in her planner. And one of my favorite aspects of this book is at the beginning of chapters, we get to hear, we get to read, you know, like a snippet of each of her days. Uh, each day, like in her planner, and what her thoughts are and goals and what her meals might be. So anyway, she's this very regimented, organized soul who is happiest when lost in a book. 
And she's even scheduled book reading into her weekly plan. And that is under the category of nothing. And she knows that when she writes that nothing is going on, it is her time to curl up and get lost in a book and no one can bother her when she is doing nothing. Amen. Now, I know, right? <laughs> I'm here for this. <laughs> no, me too. So Nina, um, but she tries to get out sometimes. Like she um, is part of a trivia team and they are widely known throughout LA. They've been kicked out of several bars because nobody can beat them. And so um, out of frustration, they're kicked out of bars and asked not to come back. And so it's through this trivia that she meets a man on a different team. And this opposing team is called, oh wait, I think it's, it's either you're a quizzard Harry or the quizzard Harry. And I can't remember which, but every time I hear it, it makes me laugh because you know, anything Harry Potter makes me laugh. So anyway, um, and she meets him and she thinks he's very arrogant and she is, you know, fascinated, but finds him arrogant. And he finds her fascinating and beautiful. And so this whole book, oh, and the other thing I should say is at the very beginning of the book, we find out, as does Nina, that the father she never knew about has died. And she has to go to the reading of the will. But this will require her to meet an extended family. And Nina grew up very alone with just a nanny for company. Um, and so she tries to figure out how to fit this family that she didn't even know she had into her very regimented life. And so throughout this book, you know, she's learning about her family. She's learning more about herself. And she's learning about this man named Tom. All set against the backdrop of books and a bookstore and a very tidy, organized life. And this book was so delightful. I'm not paying it good enough homage. But um, it's very charming. And it's a quick read. And if you are a bookish person, as all of us who are part of Book Bistro are, I think you'd really enjoy this read. Um, I'm going to actually read more of the author's work now after, after reading this book. So again, this is The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, and the author is Abby Waxman. I'll have to look at this. I have one of her other books um, on my iPad currently, but I'm going to have to look at this because I like books about books. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, it's it's light and it's funny. And the the dialogue, um, I like it because it's very true to how people actually talk versus that, like, fake way that sometimes people oh. write that they think people should talk, you know? Like, it's, it's yes, very, um, really. right. And the author has a very charming writing style where sometimes she'll step away from the narrative and say things like, although Nina didn't feel this was happening, this is actually what was going on in the mind of whoever else or, you know, although Tom thought he Whoa. was being calm, cool, and collected, but it's said in a way that's actually quite charming. And just there were several times this, this book made me laugh out loud. And it was just there were some things that were deeper about it. And I just loved it so much that I just want everyone to read it. <laughs> Perhaps they will. I hope so. The book I'm going to talk about, um, when I think about light reads... Um, I typically kind of refer to myself as an angst monster because I like to read a lot of books <laughs> that have like tons of, of, of angst in it. Cheers. Um, yes. And yes. so it's just like light read, like 
to me, a light read means less than a hundred pages or something. So, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so, um, the book, the first book that I want to talk about is called bring on the blessings and it's by Beverly Jenkins. Oh yeah. You're going to talk about that. You told me I had to yes, read it. If you do. You have to read it. So, um, so this book, it's the first in a series and it's even the synopsis starts off with, um, the character, um, when she basically comes in and she finds that her husband is cheating on her with his, with his secretary, a husband that she has been very faithful to for years and she has done everything for him. And so instead of getting, you know, she got upset about it, but instead of, instead of um, having a long drawn out um, fest of being upset, she, um, she sued him for $275 million and got oh. it. Yeah. And she oh. purchased a town on the internet that was going bankrupt. So the town was going bankrupt and it, uh, the mayor put it on eBay to auction the town. <laughs> and, um, th this is absolutely delightful. So she, she, um, used to be a social worker and, um, and so she comes in to, she goes into this town to see like what's going on. And the town is basically falling apart. There's, there is the mayor doesn't really necessarily want to be mayor anymore, but there's, but there's somebody else who does, and he doesn't want that person to be mayor. Um, the person who would like to be mayor has a horrible hog named Cleet, Cletus, I believe oh. is the name of the hog. Um, and she basically, and then Bernadette, Bernadette, um, no, Bernadine, I believe is her name. She goes and. Um, she wants this town to be a town that will be able to help people um, help like foster kids and um, give them a place, give them a place of safety where they can learn and grow and be safe. And it doesn't sound like it's a super light read. There are definitely some areas where you get punched in the feels, um, but it is really, really quite wonderful and makes it made me laugh out loud. I absolutely love it. Um, there's romance in it and so much, uh, so much history. Um, the town is own. The town has a history of, it goes back to some of her books that she wrote because she writes historicals. Um, and this is the Ooh. town of Henry Adams, Kansas. So, uh, which was founded, um, after an African American uh, man. And so there, there's just lots of very rich history and things like, and things like that. And so she brings in these, these children, um, and she, she helps them. And there's just so much that happens. People come together. The mayor, the mayor has a uh, fling that did not go very well. Like so there's a second chance romance happening in there. There's a marriage on the rocks in there. It's, it's really, really, really delightful. And um, I think it's like, it's like receiving a hug by a book. So let's let bring on the blessings hug you. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of that series? It's called the series is called the Blessings series. Ah, okay. And it's not, I mean, you know, I know, um, it sounds like it might be like an inspirational read, which I don't really have anything against, but I'm just saying it's not, um, it's not necessarily like inspirational in the terms that, 
that we might think of um, when you think of genre fiction. But um, okay. it is inspirational in the sense that it definitely brought a smile to my face, and I like it a lot. I need this book. I have to read it. Yes, you must. You must. I will. I only started I'm reading really... Beverly Jenkins this year, so I, I have a lot to catch up Same. on. But you do. Yeah. I read her for the first time, I think, in 2015, and then she's somebody that I keep saying, like, oh, I need to read more Beverly Jenkins, and I get <laughs> distracted. Um, and I don't actually do it. But I am very intrigued by the idea of, like, buying a town. I know. On the internet, right? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, and she uses to, like, her money for, like, all the power of good. And it's it's so – it's just delightful. Yay. So my first pick tonight um, was a recommendation from Kristen, who is not on this episode, but who – very kindly told me about this series and I love it a lot. I have to say that the titles are not my favorite. Um, they remind me of kind of like, I don't know, like boxcar children titles or something, <laughs> but the books themselves are, are so good. So this is Harley Merlin and the secret coven and it's Harley Merlin book one by Bella Forrest. So no, Kristen described, do you? I've heard mm -hmm. of her before. Mm hmm. So Kristen described this to me as Harry Potter for adults. And I thought that that would be super cool because, you know, I, I liked Harry Potter when it was written and I read all the books and saw some of the movies and, you know, that that's cool. So the idea of like a Harry Potter themed world, but with grownups, um, I thought was super cool. So Harley Merlin is 19. So we're not, um, like hitting the grown-up thing like really hard yet because I don't know that you're considered a grown-up when you're 19 but okay <laughs> so she's 19 I thought I was and, <laughs> well I think we all sort of think we are but I don't know exactly are. <laughs> <laughs> so she uh, grew up in the foster system and she feels just kind of adrift she has some like mental powers that she doesn't understand and that no one else in her life seems to know anything about. So she tries to keep them secret, but this is really difficult. It puts a pretty big strain on her. Um, she is an empath and she can also move things with her mind and she can occasionally control the elements. So she can do things like set things on fire or move water, like cause you know water to like come out of a fountain and drench people. Um, she works at a casino where she spots people who are cheating. Um, and this is kind of something that no one really understands how she does. And she doesn't explain to people that, you know, she's able to do this so well because of these like supernatural gifts that she has. So one day while she is working in the casino, she spots a very odd looking creature that seems to be crawling up across the ceiling of the room that she's working in. <laughs> and she doesn't quite understand like how this is possible, but she's watching and, you know, kind of paying attention with like half of her attention at the same time as she's looking for cheating people. And she just kind of is not sure what's going on. So when her shift is over, she's walking home and she sees this creature attacking just a, a random man that is also walking down the street. 
and he doesn't seem to be able to see the creature, but he knows that something is after him and something is like causing him to fall down and to experience a great deal of pain. So she steps in and tries to help him, as does another man who she was kind of interested in at the casino. His name is Wade. And when Harley and Wade fight off this creature, they start talking and Wade realizes that Harley is what's called a magical. And this is where we get to the whole kind of Harry Potter thing, because they, he takes her to what's called the San Diego Coven, which is sort of, you know, think of like Hogwarts, but with adults. And it's a secret place that exists kind of in like another dimension. You get to it by going through a mirror and you're in, you know, you can still sort of know about the regular world, but you're not actually in it. So the people who are non-magical don't know that this coven exists and don't know that these people are like living in this kind of school. So Harley gets caught up in this coven and she starts to kind of wonder if these are really like the people that she needs to be spending time with. Are these the people who can give her information about her past as well as her future? Um, perhaps, you know, they can kind of clue her into these gifts that she has. Um, there are some very definite, like, takeoffs from Harry Potter. So if you don't like books that are heavily influenced by someone else, you might not enjoy this one. But I loved kind of the nods and the tributes that the author paid to Harry Potter while still creating a world that feels really unique and, and fun. Um, so I've only read the first one so far. I have a couple more sitting on my iPad and I am excited to see how they are. Um, there is kind of a slow burn romance. There's a bit of intrigue. There's a lot of like magical world building. So if you enjoyed Harry Potter, you might want to give this a try. And it is Harley Merlin and the Secret Coven, Harley Merlin, book one by Bella Forrest. Well, if you need, need me, I'll be reading life. this book. Hi. And I'm done with the podcast now. I'm just going to go read. Bye. Bye. Have fun recording on your own. Exactly. Ken and Natalie. Yes. Yep. Amanda Ronconi, who reads the Molly Harper books, is oh. the audio narrator for this. And she does a really good job with it. So I feel like Bella Forrest has also written like a long running um, vampire series as well. Shade of Vampire. Yes. And that's why I've heard of her. So are these books a little longer? Or are they pretty quick reads? Like what? So what in audio, this was about 12 hours. Oh, I don't know how long her vampire books are. I have the first one here, but I haven't read it yet. Oh my god, that's a decent chunk of time. Of goodness, okay. Yes, I'm actually gonna like. I'm not kidding. As soon as we are done with this episode, I'm downloading yeah. it. Oh, Bye. you should. It's so good. <laughs> so much fun. Um, Peace the out. The next book, though, like the title is something like Harley Merlin and the Mystery Twins. Oh so, lord, like, I think the titles are kind of weird. But the stories are, are really, really great. I'm reading it for the twins. <laughs> Me too. Yes. So my first book is Sweet Tea and Sympathy, Southern Eclectic One by Molly Harper. And when we agreed to talk about fun and light reads, I knew I would talk about some Molly Harper book. I didn't know which one, but I just think she is one of the queens of fun and light reads and she has this innate ability to like celebrate southern charm 
but at the same time really highlight the hilarity of like having a very close and large family where everybody knows your business. Um, <laughs> and so um, this is actually the first book in a new series. Now I think we're at book three in the series. Um, and it is about Margot, who is this like type A personality, super prestigious workaholic event planner in Chicago. And she has this like very good reputation in elite society for planning all these big events. And all of this changes when um, a series of very unfortunate events take place during one of her uh, parties that I will leave for readers to discover, but let's just say it involves several flamingos and toppling shrimp towers and unsuspecting allergies. Ooh. And it's <laughs> in true Molly Harper style, it's written just to perfection. It just had me laughing. Um, and so suddenly her reputation is completely tarnished and she's without a job. Um, and her um, money is dwindling and she's not able to pay the bills and for, to stay in her apartment. And in comes in her father's side of the family who she has never known. They hear about this scandal. And in particular, her aunt, who she also doesn't know, manages to reach her and convinces her to come and work for them um, at their family business in small town Georgia in the middle of nowhere. And my friends, this business is a combined funeral home and bakery. So, <laughs> so she's totally desperate and she goes. And all the time, she's feeling totally insane for making this decision. And this is just the story of her um, kind of the, the hilarious encounters she um, experiences in this small town as she gets to know her family um, and all the wonderful characters that are there. And also um, discovering this whole side of the family she has never known, including her father and and finding possible love where she has wasn't expecting it. Um, and it's all about, will she decide to stay? How can she fit in? And what I really love about Molly Harper books is that you have your protagonist, but you also have all these, like a cast of really colorful characters with their own backstories. And you get that here and you want to just know more about them. So if you like a book that will have you laughing and that has a great plot line and characters and just something that you know will leave you feeling happy and content about the world, then you should check out um, Sweet Tea and Sympathy by Molly Harper. And can I just say, I have to share, I have to share this, the titles of this series, the other books in this series include things like Peachy Flippin' Keen, Save a Truck, Ride a Redneck, and, <laughs> and um, A Few Pecans Short of a Pie, which is my new favorite insult. So, 
I think Natalia I, talked about a few pecans short of a pie. For I like think one she of did too. Like tics, most episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Molly Harper and many of her books make me happy, but for whatever reason, Sweet Tea and Sympathy made me especially just delighted. It was, mm-hmm. um, it has a really nice balance of really light frothy, which isn't always my favorite, but then because she's trying to become decide if she even wants to be part of this family or to even have a relationship with her father. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole thing, there's like some deeper elements that kind of save it from being too over the top ridiculous. Um, and so I, I don't know. That's when I should try. Cause I didn't care for her paranormals. Like they were too light for me. Right. This so I is wonder pretty, if this might be better. I think you would like it. I, and I think it's a, uh, am I wrong? I thought it was a funeral home and bait shop. And then the bakery is part of the bait shop. Am I wrong about that? It was, I thought. Yes. Yes, that is correct. I stand corrected. And everything in that bake, everything in that bakery is like deep fried. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything. And they do drink sweet tea. Of course. Deep fried Twinkies and the like. Mm Mm-hmm. I have been waiting to talk about this book (laughs) for like two months now. And I love it so much. I want the whole world to love it too. And yes, it's called The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. And it kind of filled my heart with ridiculous amounts of joy. Like to the point where I almost kind of like jumped up and started twirling around. Like I was so happy (laughs) while I was reading this book. And this book is about a young woman named Tiffy. And Tiffy has just sort of, She's ending a, a long-term relationship, um, and her ex-boyfriend kind of kicked her out of his flat. This takes place in London. And so she tries to, you know, find a flat that she can afford. She works at a very, very small um, publishing house for very interesting, like, DIY-type books and things like that. And so um, she is trying to find a flat, and the only ones that – her price range have like gross mold like growing on the walls and stuff like that well then I know well then she sees an ad for a flat share so it's for with a a man named Leon and they work opposite schedules so he um, is a hospice nurse at night is never home and she works all day so his idea is that um, she can share um, this flat with him she can have it nights and weekends, and he'll have it during the day, um, during the week. And so it starts out kind of strange, like, oh, my God, okay, so, like, she, like, you know, unmakes the bed when she gets there, puts her own sheets on it, like, all this stuff. And she's like, holy crap, I can't, like, sleep in this guy's bed that's strange. And, <laughs> no, you know, and the whole thing is kind of a little weird at first, but they start communicating in these notes. And they're first like, hey, when's garbage day? Or, like, hey, um... Can you be sure to put the toilet seat down? Thanks so much. You know, stuff like that. (laughs) But then as the book, you know, continues, she starts writing things like, hey, I was baking and I made extra of whatever it was. So feel free to have it. And they start having, they they develop a whole friendship through notes and they don't actually meet in person. And so it has this like epistolary feel. And, you know, Tiffy's trying to get over her broken heart and Leon is trying to, um, you know, help his brother who's in a spot of trouble and he's um, 
very quiet and very introspective and he works at a hospice. He's a nurse and he's trying to, you know, ease his patients into, you know, a gentle death for them and just very peaceful. And so this book, they don't even meet, like I said, to like halfway through and they develop this beautiful friendship together. Um, and there is, um, you know, there's, there's conflict um, throughout the book and there's like family that kind of interferes like in terms of, you know, adding some different dynamic. Um, there's a little kind of mystery at the hospice that um, Leon wants to solve. But at the core of this book, it's about this group of friends who all love and support each other and all kind of gather around as Tiffy rediscovers how to be strong and confident without her ex-boyfriend always around. And there's a scene in this book that is like the most amazing thing on the planet that should be in like one of the great like 1990s era rom-coms. Like it just, it's with a balcony. That's all I'm going to tell you. And this book <laughs> has everything. You think it's going to be this light, obnoxious fluff. And then it's so much more. These characters are fleshed out and these notes are beautiful. And like, she just hit every single perfect note with this book. And I love it so much. So if you want something to fill your heart with excessive amounts of joy, pick up the flat share by Beth O'Leary today. Right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, after the podcast. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. and I'm, I'm really not able to, I don't want to give too much away because I want it to be savored and discovered the way I did without knowing anything about it. But it just is the most beautifully written you know, friends to lovers, um, you know, uh, there's some, like I said, there's some parts that are deeper. There's some pretty intensive subjects that are worked through. And yet it's all done against this backdrop of like perfect, wonderful friendship. Oh, please read it. <laughs> I'm actually going to have to read this. Yeah. Same. I wasn't sure from the synopsis, like I wasn't sure if it would be something I could deal with. Um, right. But I, I'm going to have to give this a try. And I love epistolary feeling books. And that's what this is because of all the notes. And, like, it's, it's yes. how they communicate for the first, you know, few months that they know each other. All through notes. All you had me at epistolary, honestly. I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so while you're out there buying some, getting some incredible books, um, I, my next pick as a light read is called The Unleashing, which is, oh. again, the, the first in the series. And it is by Shelley Lawrenston, who also has the pen name of G.A. Aiken. Oh. Um, and Shelley Lawrenston writes a lot of, like, shifter books. So, and lots of books about, she's, her most recent books are about the uh, Honey Badger. Um, and she is just really fun. So this book, The Unleashing, is about a woman named Kara who goes to like her favorite coffee shop often and, or no, she works at the coffee shop and, um, there's a, there's a robbery that takes place or someone is being attacked and she dies. That is not a spoiler. <laughs> so she is attacked and she's on the brink of death. And the super hot guy that really, that comes by is, um, who is a very like quiet and often very, and seems like he's very shy. Um, 
comes by like on the tail end of the attack. And here this woman is, she has served like two tours in Afghanistan and, you know, just, she knows how to like kick ass and take names. And now she's dying to some punk in a coffee shop. Right. Um, so, so, um, Ludwig is, is the hero's name. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. These names, these names are a mess. Um, and, and basically she wakes up because she also has a dog. So she has a dog and she wakes up. The dog um, also has kind of a funky name, right? Yes. I can't so remember what it is. The though. dog's name, the dog's name is Brody Hawaii. That's right. <laughs> that is the name of her dog. Does she say like Brody Hawaii Sid? Like, did she say the whole yes. name? Yes. Yes, is the whole name. <laughs> Brody Hawaii, stop that right now. <laughs> it's great. And Brody Hawaii also um, almost dies. And um, she ends up, both of them end up coming back. And Kara is initiated into this. Um, into this group of women who are known as the crows and who are able to actually shapeshift into crows. And they have all of the different mannerisms of crows. So they squawk and squabble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first read this book, I was like, I don't know if I like this because I like, nobody's getting along with each other. Everybody's fighting all the time. What is the problem? And then I had to be like, okay, okay, angst monster, you have to get into this mode that this is supposed to be funny. So, <laughs> um, and it and it is. And so Kara now has to get along with all these people. They all, all these women live in a house together and they live in a mansion. They have all the money that they like could ever need. And they work with these like Viking clans. And the thing I love about Shelley Lawrence did is that she just deals with a lot of things like a lot of things about Vikings that are like really um, unpalatable, <laughs> such as like racism. And she deals with it in such a really funny way. So she's like, you know, she just, she deals with a lot of like different, um, there's like, like a lot of different things about Vikings, a lot of different, um, some of the guys try to be overbearing the women are having none of it. And now there is this big evil, there's a evil goddess who is like ready to take over everything and they have to all kind of come together and figure out how they're going to stop her. Um, and they do so by basically like fighting it out amongst themselves and fighting it out with the big bads. So there's like a mystery and it's really funny. And Brody Hawaii is out there chewing up everything and <laughs> she is super snarly and fun. Um, I also really enjoyed the the romance of it is a it's a pretty light romance um but you get to know a lot more about Ludwig and about like a lot of the different Viking clans um and these these ladies who are in the crows they love everything about they love they're like crows so they're like shinies they want the shinies and they all have like different jobs um because once they become a crow they have to leave everything behind and there's so many great supporting characters it is laugh out loud funny um so again it is the it is the unleashing which is the crows number one by shelly laurenston so let's go back in time to an era that neither mika nor stacy is a big fan of oh, and let's talk about a historical romance 
that takes place quite a bit in a London ballroom. Ooh. <laughs> so, this was my first ever Courtney Milan novel. And although I've read a bunch of her other stuff, this one remains my favorite. This is the one of the few times when I will recommend a series out of order. So this is The Heiress Effect by Courtney Milan. It's the second book in her Brother Sinister series. And the series as a whole is fantastic. The second and the fourth books are my favorites, but all of them are just so, so good. But The Heiress Effect. So the heiress of the title is Jane. Jane Fairfield, and she can do absolutely nothing right. Um, she'll be like in society and she'll just like come out with these really outlandish statements that no one like, knows how to take. Um, she has a huge amount of money, and even though her gowns are super expensive, they're also really, really ugly and just don't suit her at all. So everything she does is just wrong. And at first, you kind of come into this and you're like, oh my gosh, like, how is this person so clueless? Like, how are they making all these faux pas and not realizing that, like, this is terrible for them? But it soon becomes apparent that Jane is doing all of these things on purpose because Jane does not want to get married. If she marries her younger sister, who has an illness that I won't um, divulge to you at this point, would then be under the sole care of their uncle. And Jane does not trust him in the slightest. So her thoughts kind of follow that, you know, if she stays unmarried, then she'll at least be home and she can do a little bit to kind of look after her sister. But because she is such a wealthy heiress, People are kind of like flocking to her. They're lining up to propose marriage to her, even though she works so hard to be this like really horrid person. Then she meets our hero, who is Oliver Marshall. And he is sort of like her polar opposite. So he does everything right. He follows the social mores and he pays so much attention to what society is thinking and feeling and doing. And so he is just like utterly mystified by Jane. But at the same time, he's also really attracted to her. So they strike up kind of an uneasy friendship that eventually turns to romance. We also see um, kind of a secondary romance that involves Jane's sister. Um, so you get to hear, you know, little bits about that as well. It's woven into the story in such a fantastic way. Um, this is a book that is full of the kind of witty banter that I love in historical romances. Um, the characters are both, like our leads are so, so smart, but in very different ways. Um, Jane has kind of like a sharp tongue and a quick wit. And Oliver is a little steadier. He's like kind of slower to, you know, to respond to things, but he's so like spot on when he does. It's so much fun. So I fell in love with this, like pretty much, you know, from the very beginning. Um, I read it overnight, and then I just wanted to read like so much more of Courtney Milan. So if you have not read it, I highly recommend it. Um, you can read it out of order. I think, um, like if you're 
someone who's really big on reading things in order, then you'll want to start with The Duchess War, which is Brothers Sinister's Brothers Sinister Book One. But this is The Heiress Effect, and it is my favorite. And it's Courtney Milan, The Brothers Sinister Book Two. I will I will just say that while I do believe that eighteenth or nineteenth century England could have walked off of a cliff um, <laughs> when it comes to my reading. Um, I follow Courtney Milan on, on Twitter and I feel like I would definitely trust what she would do in, in a historical, in a historical novel because she is just so passionate about, about, um, about history and agency and, you know, and like the power not being like, an imbalance of power, I guess I would say. Um, and so I would, I would try this book. I think my recommendation for you would be the suffragette scandal then. Um, Cause I think that one would kind of tick like more of your, your boxes in terms of like agency and kind of women um, like working hard to make a change where the heiress effect kind of sticks more to the like microcosm of the British ballroom and kind of high society. Um, I love it a lot, but if like high society isn't always your thing, then perhaps the suffragette scandal um, would serve you better. And Free, who is the heroine of that book, is like so incredible. And she's Oliver's um, younger sister. And so she's just, she's so great awesome so my next book is called coffee tea or me by (laughs) someone named rich amui maybe (laughs) i think i'm pronouncing that correctly it's like a-m-o-o-i and this is a new author for me, um, it may be a debut author. I've never heard of this person before. So I discovered this book while browsing the Audible Escapes package, which I like to do. It's a good way to kind of discover new authors, especially. And it just looked really like fun and sweet. And it's not a very long book. It's about five, five and a half hours in audio. Um, But I really liked it. And so this is a story. We we start off by following Jack, who owns this really popular coffee shop. And he's doing really well with his business. In fact, so much so that he has the opportunity to consider expanding it so that, you know, like it becomes a chain. And one of the things I love about this book and about coffee shops in general is kind of like books about bookshops. I love learning about the different people who visit, like the customers Mm -hmm. and their stories and just their personalities and what brings them all there. And you get that in this book. And so there's lots of really fun characters there's like there's this like crickety old man who's actually he's quite lonely because his wife passed away but he comes to the coffee coffee shop every day and he's constantly complaining about all these like ailments (laughs) that he has when actually he's in better shape than most of the young people there (laughs) 
So he's, he provides some comic relief, but um, so he's doing really well until Susie moves in next door and <laughs> opens a tea shop, a trendy tea shop. And thus begins the competition as they compete for customers for their respective businesses and kind of like the hilarious lengths that they would go to to try to attract people to come to their respective places. Um, and what you know from the start is that there's definitely an undercurrent of attraction there. Um, that and, and what's really funny is that Susie uh, owns her tea shop with her brother, um, who Jack mistakenly assumes is, is her spouse, which leads to various um, amusing interactions in the first part of the book. And so this is a story of they have to come together for something, um, for a festival, festival they're planning in the community. And it's, you know, about how they can put aside their differences um, to work together and what ultimately happens. Um, and I should say that there is a mistake that one of them um, makes early on in the book. And you need to kind of see what happens to see how or whether that's resolved. Um, but you know from reading this that, it, you know, it'll be a happy book. And sometimes in life, that's all I want. Well, that's always what I want. I don't like books that don't end happily. Um, and, but sometimes in particular, you're looking for a book that you just know will be delightful from start to end. And so if you're looking for like a, a book that's not too long, but that will just be happy and light, but still has a good romance, I think you should check out this new author. And this is Coffee, Tea, or Me, All Things I Love by <laughs> Rich Amui. Hopefully that's how you pronounce it. That looks fun. You know, I love coffee shops, tea shops. Yeah, it kind of reminds Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a Hallmark movie almost. Like you, you know. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I mean, I know, and that's not like necessarily a compliment. <laughs> but in the way that you know it'll end well, but it's still yes. fun, right? So I enjoyed it. So when an author that I really love recommends a book, I tend to rush out and read that book. And that is just what I did when Kristen Higgins recommended Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. And again, this is one of those books where you think it's going to be really light and fluffy, and parts of it are, I laughed out loud in the middle of the night and woke up my husband and scared him <laughs> Because it was not just like a, <laughs> it was like a, <laughs> like a loud burst of laughter that I could not control. So I really love this book. In the very beginning, and this is not a spoiler, um, we find out that our heroine, Evelith, who goes by Evie. Um, Hold on. Did you say Evelith? Evelith. It's E-V-E-L-E-T-H. It's a town in Minnesota. <laughs> That's quite yes. a name. <laughs> right. I was thinking, given like, you know, Evie, like I figured she was like Evelyn. Or right, Evangeline. no, Evelyn. No, Evelyn. It's um, her mother <laughs> is from this town in Minnesota and was feeling homesick for that. And so named her, her daughter that, Evelyn, <laughs> after her town. So she is known as Evie. So she lives in Maine. And at the very beginning of the story, 
she is packing her car to leave her husband. Oh. However, she gets a phone call and she finds out that her husband has just died in a car crash. Whoa. And so, of course, Evie is in a quandary. For now, she feels as though she needs to present to the town who loved her husband very much. He was very well thought of. So she has to play grieving widow when she literally had her first suitcase in her car. And no one knows that Evelith was thinking of leaving her husband and was actually in the process of doing so at the moment of his death. So she has no one she can talk to about her complicated feelings. Oh, gosh. Right? So Yikes. I know. So fast forward about a year, and she goes to breakfast every Saturday with her best friend, Andy. And Andy um, has been very loving and supportive of her um, as she's gone through this process of grieving. And he asks her, she has an apartment in the back of her ginormous house. Um, and Andy asks if his best friend, Dean, his childhood best friend, Dean, um, who is a, he, uh, is a pitcher for the New York Yankees. And he suddenly has, um, and I, I'm not a sports girl. I don't like the sports romances typically. Um, but anyway, um, Dean, who is the pitcher for the Yankees, has developed uh, what's called the yips, which means basically he can't pitch. Like he completely has lost his ability to pitch. And there's like no medical or psychiatric reason for this. He just can't pitch anymore. So he's going to go hide out from the really horrible media. So he comes to stay with her, Evie, and the rule is he will not ask her questions about her dead husband, and she will not ask him questions about baseball. And as the book, you know, continues, this beautiful friendship develops, and the two of them help each other in very deep and meaningful ways as they are trying to kind of pick up and start their lives anew. And But both of them have to kind of work through their past shit before they can actually figure out how to, you know, think about becoming a couple. And this was just a really lovely book with, like I said, some laugh out loud moments and then some very, very deep parts that, you know, address some pretty significant um, issues. And I love this book a lot. The writing was really relatable. This is her, this is Linda Holmes' debut novel. And just her writing is very charming. It's very witty. It's warm. It's, it, it, it makes you feel like these are real characters that you are these real people that you want to spend time with. And, you know, like I said, Evie's trying to figure out how to move on um, without, you know, tarnishing anything about her husband. And, and she has a lot of guilt about that. Um, you know, her father, um, she was raised by her father. And he has some very specific ideas about her and her best friend has very specific ideas about her relationship with her husband. And then there's Dean, who's the only person in this entire town who knows what was really going on in Evie Drake's marriage. And this book, like I said, is just wonderful. And it's called Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. And it's really beautiful and fabulous. So please read it. Wow, that's, that sounds really awesome. It I, is. I don't even this. I also yeah. am not a big sports person. Um, no. And, Except for, and like, so. Susan Elizabeth Phillips, like, in right. hockey. Like, I can deal with that. 
but in this, the, the thing about this book that I really enjoyed, so it talks a little bit about, like, it, it gets very, like, the psychological and the, you know, reasons why some very successful athletes suddenly completely lose their ability to do their sport. And yes. so it, it discusses sports in that way. And of course, you know, it's been part of Dean's life since early childhood. And so it kind of informs a lot of what he does. But if you're not a, if you're not a baseball person, like I am not, it's not going to detract from your enjoyment of the book and understanding of his character. So it's, it's, it's more about the psychological, like yeah. the psychological, yep. like, my God, what would Impact. that feel like? And like having the world basically say things like he's crazy and he, you know, lost his mind or he just sucks now. And, and they like oh. have made up all these like euphemisms for like, if, if this happens to you, it's like the Dean Tenney, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't remember like exactly, but so basically if you lose your shit, they call you Dean Tenney and, and say horrible oh, things uh, about you. That's terrible. So, I know. So I just, I thought it was really well done and neither of these characters are perfect. And like I said, they have to work through a lot to get to their happily ever after. And it's just very rewarding as they do. So my last book, I know that I, that we said this was light reads and now I feel like this entire book is a lie. So, <laughs> I feel like it probably might fly in the face of everything that, that is considered light. But so this book is also will make you have an earworm. So this book is called Take a Chance on Me. Um, it, is, it is by Suleika Snyder. And um, the book is, it basically, it is a motorcycle club book. Oh, no. Like, oh, my gosh. But, hold <laughs> on, hold on. <laughs> but not like, I've, they're booting me off the podcast, you guys. Bye. <laughs> oh, no, I, I can hang in with you for some, okay. like, motorcycle club things. Like, I am in love with Joanna Wilde Reapers. Um, so, so it's I okay. Can't do, I can't do a lot of motorcycle club books. Um I basically just end up wanting to slap all the dudes in these books, right? So, <laughs> um, but this is, first of all, the inspiration for this book um, was um, Chris Evans' beard. I believe Chris Evans is Captain America. Oh. Somebody's going to listen to this and be like, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and and um, it's, so the book is about um, a woman um, her name is, she goes by Pinky, so it's Pinky Grover, and <laughs> she is currently leaving, she has currently left college um, and come back to town to help her mom because her mom um, developed breast cancer, and so she is there to kind of help, thing, help out with the restaurant while her mom is undergoing chemo. Um, she is, she has the hots for her a guy who is in a motorcycle club um, and the club is called the Eagles. And I kept, and I didn't realize that at first when I was reading the books, I was like, why is it, where's hotel California? Like, what is, why is it, why are they keep talking about the Eagles? Um, but I finally figured it out. It's just that I was reading it fast. And, <laughs> um, and the, the guys from the motorcycle club come into her restaurant every week, like to eat samosas and um, yeah and have like coffee or juice or whatever. So, um, she is, she is in love with their important. She has the hots for the enforcer who is named trucker. 
Oh, um, I'm sure that's not. I'm sure that's not the name his mama gave him, but <laughs> um, but he is trucker, and she is. It's basically this book is so tropalicious. It is like <laughs> it is. It is so tropalicious. It is like good girl and bad boy. It is so steamy. My God, like wow. Um, so they um. There, they basically there's a a uh, a wager that is placed, and um and and they they finally like they kind of talk to each other in the supermarket, and it's like a love it's like a love letter to like fandoms I felt like because they talk oh. a lot about like comics and things like that, and she didn't really know that he was into it, and he didn't really know that she was into like the like comics and like the different superhero movies and different fandoms and I'm not really into any of that but to sense the excitement on the page about that was really exciting um trucker is not like those other motorcycle guys <laughs> that we often read about who are like super misogynistic and you just want to drop them down a well um he is he is so he is very awesome and he's kind of a cinnamon roll, like just super sweet guy. Um, and, and she starts, they start developing feelings, but they're like, Oh my God, how is this ever going to last? Because he doesn't want to put her or his family in danger. And she knows that he is not, he, she knows that on the surface, he is not good for her, but they're going to go for it anyway. And how is this going to end and what's going to happen? And so it was really a very refreshing take on um, motorcycle club books. And I really, um, I really enjoyed it. It was more like character and emotional and motion driven. Um, you know, maybe like a little bit of um, some mystery and suspense, but it was, I, I, I guess I would say that it was more, it was lighter in that area. And um, I don't want to spoil any. I don't want to spoil anything, but I will just say that it does. It does work out probably in a way that you would not imagine. It is a novella, and Suleika really packed a punch in this novella. Um, she really talked about a lot of. She was able to get a lot of like emotions and feelings, and so much character development in in what is essentially, you know typically a very shorter form of writing. So um, I think that if you read this book, you would be very surprised. And you will also be humming that Abba song forever. <laughs> so once again, it is Take a Chance on Me by Suleika Snyder. I wonder if Sarah would read this. I know. I was just wondering, can you spell Suleika? How do you spell her first name? S. Um, S do you know? I think it's S U L E I K A H. Okay, that's true. Okay, I need to find her. Yeah, this reminds and me of like maybe something Sarah that would try. Sarah might read. Yep. My last pick tonight will survive. Will survive? No, no. <laughs> My last pick tonight will surprise absolutely no one because. Oh wait. Yeah. Can I guess who the author is? Certainly. But I don't think you can. Like, I don't think you'll be able to. Wait, but you said it will surprise no one. I know. 
Is it Gretchen something? No, see, I'm thinking it's Yasmin Galenorn. You're right. (laughs) You're right. I was wrong. (laughs) I don't know any Gretchen author. Um, Isn't that the lady that writes those, like, the serial killer lady? Oh, Chelsea Kane. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Gretchen is the... Gretchen uh, is the serial killer. Serial killer. (laughs) Yes, who, like... Poor Drano in people's oh, eyes and down their no. throats. Yeah. That Shannon has never anti-sold a series to me so well as she did this <laughs> one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Those books made me so happy. I'm sorry that that author doesn't anymore. <laughs> it makes me sad. So that's not her light read, though. <laughs> no. You know, for <laughs> Shannon, though, it might have been a light read. It could have been. You know, <laughs> yes. you're right. Yes, that those books made me really happy. Tonight's no. light read, Gone Girl. <laughs> Gone Girl. <laughs> Very light. Oh, how I love it. Oh, yuck. Sorry. <laughs> so now I, I have to like switch gears now into the like actual light read. <laughs> so this book was originally published in 2003, and it is what Yasmin Gallinorn calls a cozy with teeth. <laughs> So it's Ghost of a Chance, Chintz and China Mysteries, book one by Yasmin Gallinorn. And this is kind of her, like, this is before she wrote the other world books, um, which I think the first one of those came out in 2006. So this is kind of like the world's introduction to the writing of Yasmin Gallinorn. And to be very honest, it's a book, it's a series that I have not read, partly because I don't like cozy mysteries as a rule. And also because I really don't like ghosts, and ghosts play a huge part in this series. However, huh. yes. However, when I needed a light read, I thought that I could make myself a little happier if I visited a Yasmin Gallinorn title. So I read Ghost of a Chance, and I will be upfront and say that this is not my favorite series by her at all. <gasps> However, it is very worth reading, especially if you are looking for kind of a paranormal mystery series with a little bit of romance and some fantastic, like, found family elements. I probably like it. You might. So Emerald O'Brien is our main character. She is 36. She has two children. She's recently divorced. And she runs sort of a, like, a tea shop slash china <clears throat> shop. She also reads tarot, and she's kind of known as the town witch. This novel takes place in a fictional town called Chickata, which is somewhere in Washington State. So Emerald is, you know, trying to get back on her feet after her divorce. She's dealing with some issues surrounding being a single mom now. And then one night when she's laying in her bed, the ghost of a murdered woman appears to her. And explains that it was her husband who murdered her. And no one will believe that this is true. Um, No one actually even, like, knows about it. So she wants Emerald to prove this and actually make her husband pay for the crime. Oh, not Emerald's husband. I thought it was Emerald's husband because what a shocker. I know. (laughs) That would be kind of cool. No, this this (laughs) murdered woman's husband. Okay, I got it now. Um, Stacey and I share the same brain, apparently. Right. (laughs) Yes. We never actually, at least in this first book, never see Emerald's ex-husband, although we do hear about him. Um, So she's 
not really sure that she wants to get involved with this. Um, you know, she called the town witch, but she doesn't really know if she's capable of like doing what this ghost is asking her to do. And then a really yucky kind of demonic spirit, which seems to be somehow attached to the uh, ghost who first appears to her, begins to cause a lot of problems in Emerald's personal life, and no one really understands why. So she is pretty quickly swept into this mystery, um, both on kind of a mundane front as she tries to prove that it was actually the husband who murdered this woman and also on a supernatural front as she's trying to deal with this like demonic force that is causing so much chaos in her life. Um, this is a little bit awkward in places. I feel like you see glimpses of what Galenorn's writing would eventually become, but it's not as polished as I'm used to seeing from her. Um, I feel like sometimes it's like the line that she's trying to walk doesn't always work. And yet there's something really delightful about the lives of these characters and the relationships between them. And just watching Emerald learn how to stand on her own two feet after, you know, this kind of long-term marriage. And I don't know, it's, it's not, it's not my usual read. Um, it's not what Yasmin Gallinorn is known for writing these days. And yet there's something very, I don't know, comforting and a little bit familiar about this kind of early incarnation of her fiction. So I recommend it, even though it is not without its problems. So it's Ghost of a Chance, and it is the first book in the Chins and China series by Yasmin Gallinorn. So my final book is called Undomestic Goddess oh. by Sophie <laughs> Kinsella. Okay, so <laughs> you have read it, Shannon. No, no, I have just read like a bunch of reviews of it. I've heard people talk about it, but no, I have not read it. It's so good. Um, this book was just delightful from start to end. I cannot tell you how much I genuinely enjoyed this book. I read it during a time when, like, I was super stressed out about a bunch of things. And it just gave me such amazing perspective and comic relief. And it was one of those books I could not put down. Um, and it kind of has a Christian Higgins feel to it because it's Ooh. fun. Um but it also, like the characters, there's a lot of really good character development and growth at the same time. And so it just reminded me of the kind of thing that Kristen Higgins would write. So um, this is a story of Samantha, who is this, like, young lawyer who has a very strong work ethic, shall we say, another type A personality. Um, and she has never made a mistake. She is perfect and she is constantly working and she is trying very hard to become partner at her firm, which it looks like she's very close to accomplishing. But then one day she makes a very ginormous, huge, horrible, unthinkable mistake uh -oh. as <laughs> really we do cool. from time to time <laughs> yes, yes as we, and 
like as as she was describing this i i was just like oh i i mean i've never done anything that bad but i could you know you kind of relate to the feeling of when you realize you've forgotten something or you've made a mistake and you just feel your entire stomach drop oh i hate yep. that i know <laughs> yeah so that's what happens to her and she's she is so panicked and in shock that she walks out of her law firm when she realizes what has happened and she keeps walking and goes on to a train and ends up in the middle of nowhere on the doorstep of this beautiful huge mansion where she's going to ask for directions and the people who answer mistakenly assume that she is an interviewee um and she ends up being hired as a housekeeper for this very <laughs> rich couple and i should tell you that S- samantha is the furthest thing from a housekeeper she's a high power lawyer and she doesn't know how to turn on an oven she doesn't know how to bake a potato or sew a button or use a washing machine or anything in fact, she was looking at these fancy complicated appliances that the employers bought her when she first started working <laughs> and she had no idea what one of them was. And her oh, employer, the the wife asked her, "Oh, what's that called?" and she told her that it was called a Nimbus 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> yep. So it is very funny. And so this is, <laughs> sorry, I know. I was expecting that's, you to say that. No, I know. And that's what I'm saying. It's the kind of book where you just burst out laughing as you're reading the like ridiculousness of everything that transpires. So it's about how well she's able to cope because her employers don't know what, you know, about her past or what she really is. And then it's also about the relationship she builds, including um, a blossoming, blossoming, um, crush, we'll say in the beginning, um, with the gardener who works for this family who totally sees through her. <laughs> so, you know, will she stay in this life? Will she choose to go back? What will she do when um, the people around her, including this possible new love interest, finds out about her past? And it's just a fabulous book. I loved it. It made me laugh out loud, and it was just a really, really good story. So that is Undomestic Goddess by Sophie Kinsella. Beautiful. All right, so that brings us to the end of our Light Reads episode. Thank you for, I'm sorry, thank you to Natalie for coming up with this idea, as well as for joining us along with Stacy and Mika. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing for all of these episodes. And I, of course, want to thank all of you who join us for our bookish discussions each week. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. 
and some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.